And today we're in week two of a series that we've been in called Into the Light. And in this series, what we're doing is exploring a tension that we all feel in life. And it's a tension between light and darkness. And for this series, and really for all of life in a spiritual context, light represents God's truth. It represents the way that God wants us to live. It represents God's principles. And if we apply those principles, we're standing in the light of his truth. And darkness, on the other hand, represents everything in our world that pulls us away from God's truth. Everything that tempts us to live a different life. Everything that tempts us away from the God that that we love, the God who loves us and wants to show us the best possible way to live. And if we're honest, we would say we're equally attracted to both of those things. We're equally attracted to the light of God's truth. We're equally attracted to the darkness that our world offers. And if you think about it, that's the Christian's greatest struggle, is trying to figure out this this tension, trying to manage this tension. We want to live in the light of God's truth. We know that there are incredible benefits to that. And yet, so often, we enjoy things that we find in the darkness of life. And when we try to manage that tension, we find ourselves living in the shadows We're not fully in the light of God's truth. We're not standing firmly in that truth. We're not firmly applying God's principles. And we're not in fully in the darkness that our world offers. We know that we don't want to fully be there, but there's some things that we enjoy there. So we find ourselves living comfortably in between these two things in the shadows. And if you are here today and would say that you're not a Christ follower, maybe the reason you aren't is because you've watched Christians manage this tension poorly. You've watched maybe people at work who maybe you know they're a Christ follower, maybe they invite you to church occasionally, or maybe they pull out a God principle, or they pull out the Bible when they get into a debate with somebody and like to use it in a debate format, and yet you watch them live a totally different way than stuff that you assume is in the Bible. You watch them say things, do things at work that you're like, yeah, I'm not so sure that you're living in the light of God's truth. It seems like you're in the shadows. You're using it as a convenience instead of really living it out of true conviction. And does anybody here know of a Christian hypocrite, somebody like that living in the shadows? Like, are you brave enough to raise your hand? Like, you know somebody maybe at work or school in your life, you're like, yeah, that, that guy or that lady, they are just living in the shadows. Well, I think all of us know some people like that, and I know a few people in my life like that. But worse than that, I have been that person, and I am that person at times. There are different seasons of my life that I wrestle with that more than others, and there was a season in my life when I was in high school that I wrestled with it in a very big way. And if you would have known me in high school, like if we went to high school together, you would have said, that's the guy living in the shadows. I was the guy who was known as the Christian guy, and for me, that wasn't cool. I didn't want that label. I didn't want to be known as a Christian guy because in the big public high school that I went to, the Christian guy wasn't the cool guy. The Christian guy didn't fit in. The Christian guy wasn't invited to all the parties. And so what I tried to do was I tried to balance my Christian beliefs with activity that wasn't so Christ-like in my attempt to try to fit in. And so I found myself living in the shadows And as I look back on those years, it makes me sad because I think about some of my friends and some of the the kids that I went to school with. And I think I might have been that hypocritical person that kept some of my friends from stepping into the light of God's truth. 
I mean, that's sad to me. I mean, the reality that maybe the way I lived at that season of my life communicated to somebody else that, you know, God really doesn't have all that much to offer because apparently he's not working that well in my life. So that that breaks my heart. And if you're here today and you're in that spot, maybe you're not a Christ follower. Maybe you'd say, listen, I don't want to be a Christ follower because I see hypocrites. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Look beyond the hypocrisy. Like, don't allow someone who's a hypocrite keep you from the greatest person you could ever meet. Don't let a hypocrite like me keep you from meeting Jesus. Jesus is not a hypocrite. Jesus, God in the flesh, stands in light always fully because he is the light of the world. He's not hypocritical at all. And he invites you into a personal relationship where you can be radically changed. So don't let someone who's not living like Christ keep you from Christ. And there's moments that we're all hypocritical. So in those moments, I I think we need to identify that. I think we need to own it, take responsibility for it, and to step into the light of God's truth. Now this morning, we're gonna look at a story of a woman who could have allowed hypocrisy to keep her from God. You see, she was treated very poorly by some God followers, some people who claimed to love God. She was treated very badly by them. And she could have walked away completely from God. And I think for a big chunk of her life, she did. But then one day she met Jesus and Jesus shined his light into her life. And she took a huge step in the right direction. Watch this. I live my life in the shadows. I'm safer there. My life hasn't been, well, I haven't always made the right choices. Let's just say I'm not winning any lifetime achievement hordes. It was a long road that got me here and I'm not sure I could get out of it now. It's not like I don't know what people say about me. Yeah, I know. That's why I go to the well at noon. I go when no one else is there. Everyone else has gotten their water for the day, so it's just me and my jars. I'd rather deal with the heat than their eyes full of judgmental pity. And then one day I go to the well and a rabbi is there. No one is supposed to be there, let alone a rabbi, but there he is. And not only is he there, but he asks me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink. Maybe you don't know this, but The Jews think the Samaritans are unclean and generally we want nothing to do with each other. Just another reason for me to avoid people at the well. If he wants to be considered unclean, whatever, I'll get him a drink. As I'm drawing the water, he says that he has a living water, a water that will end my thirst. I want this water. I hate this walk to the well every day. I hate the idea of running into someone else to judge me here. But he has no rope, no bucket, Where does this living water come from, I ask? Where? He says to go and get my husband. Of course, apparently he's been waiting at the well long enough to hear the daily gossip. I tell him plainly that I have no husband. End of conversation, right? He smiles. He knows about my husbands, the five that I've had. He knows the man I live with now is not my husband. With each statement about who I am, he brings light to my shadows. I feel exposed by his words. I change the subject hoping to end the conversation. But his answers continue to call me out of the shadows. He knows my life, he doesn't reject me, but do I want to come into the light? Is this something I really want? So that video introduces us to a woman that we're gonna meet today in John chapter four. And she's known as the Samaritan woman or the woman at the well. 
And it was just an ordinary day for her. She didn't anticipate anything radical happening that day. Just an ordinary day. She's going to the well, doing something she's always done. And she has this life-changing encounter with Jesus. And let me set up the story just a little bit. Uh, most of us know that Jesus had some followers that were known as his disciples. And he had 12 disciples. And these were his closest followers. These were the people that he was teaching specifically how to live the way that he wanted them to live. And so the way that he would do that is he would just go through life. He would go everywhere teaching them using every teachable moment that he could leverage. So wherever he was, if something happened, he would leverage that in a moment. Sometimes he made things happen to leverage that in a moment. Well, on this specific occasion, he and his disciples were on a journey. They were going from Judea in the south of Israel up to Galilee in the north of Israel. And it was about a 70-mile journey. And so it's kind of like for us going from here up to Jacksonville. So you can imagine if we had to walk to Jacksonville, we probably wouldn't be going there for lunch today. So, I mean, it might take a little while to get there. So this was a a several-day journey where they were going to have to stop off in in several places. And on their way, they went through an area known as Samaria. Now, Jesus chose to go through this area, and they specifically stopped at a town called Sakaar. Now, if you can imagine the place that you would not want to stop If you can imagine maybe you're on a trip somewhere that that maybe you're familiar with and you think, God, please don't let my car break down here, that was the place for Jesus' disciples. Samaria was that place. They did not want to go to. In fact, most Jews, when making that journey, would travel around Samaria to get to the northern part of Israel. So if you can imagine, again, we're saying, hey, we want to go to Jacksonville, but we don't want to go through St. John's County, which contains St. Augustine to the north of us. Let's say we said, well, we want to go around to get to Jacksonville. You can do that. It just takes a long way to get there. And that's what the disciples of Jesus would have wanted. But Jesus took them to the very place they didn't want to go to leverage a teachable moment. And that's often what Jesus does for us. He takes us to a place that we don't really want to go in order to leverage a teachable moment in our lives so we can become the people that God wants us to become. Now, when Jesus and his disciples arrived in Sakaar, they were hungry, they were tired, they'd been walking in the noonday heat, so they're just exhausted. And they, they find this well, known as Jacob's well, outside of the town. And so they stop at the well, Jesus stays there, and his disciples go into town to get some lunch. And John chapter 4, verse 7 says, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because of his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Now, let me explain this hatred between the the Jews and the Samaritans a little bit more. For the Jews, they looked at the Samaritans as second class citizens A Samaritan was the result of one Jewish parent marrying or having sexual relations with another nationality that wasn't Jewish in that local environment. And so the pure-blood Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. They said, that was a terrible decision that you made. You never should have done that. And so they stayed away from them. 
and went all the way around their area to show them how much they disapproved of their choice and how they were living. Now, not only was Jesus a Jew speaking with a Samaritan, he was speaking with a woman. Now, no offense, ladies, but in Jesus' culture, that was not okay. That was not something that you would do, that especially a rabbi, a teacher, would not speak alone with a woman and would not speak alone with a Samaritan woman. Jesus was breaking the customs, the, the cultural rules of his day. And the cool thing about Jesus is that he broke a lot of those weird rules that we come up with. And he elevated the status of people. I mean, that was just something that Jesus did on a regular basis. I mean, he came along and, and said, um, I'm going to pick some disciples, and I'm not going to pick who you would think I would pick. Now, I'm thinking God in the flesh comes, who's he going to go select? I'm thinking he goes to those people that are the religious leaders, those people trying so hard to follow all the rules, but Jesus didn't do that. He went and selected the B team, the not good enoughs, the ones that kind of flunked out of their religious education. And he said, yeah, I, I want you to be my disciples. And the religious leaders looked at him and said, like, you're going to do what with them? Good luck with that. And Jesus said, yeah, this, these are the people that I'm going to pour my life into, and they're going to transform the world. So Jesus elevated the status of normal people, ordinary people that weren't religious leaders. He elevated the status of women on a regular basis. And you think, think about this, how profound this is. When Jesus rose from the grave... He gave the privilege of the first person seeing him in his resurrected body to a woman. She got to run back to the disciples and tell them he's risen. Now, why is that so profound? If you wanted it to be a believable story, you wouldn't reveal it to a woman in Jesus' day. Because the men would go, we don't believe you, whatever. You see that in the disciples' reaction. There's a little bit of that as she comes back, and they're like, yeah, we're not so sure. And they had to go see for themselves. So Jesus elevated the status of women and revealed himself in a glorified body to this woman. And Jesus just made that a habit. He elevated the status of children. He just elevated the status of people around him, the, the people that felt like, hey, I'm just not good enough. I'm, I'm a part of the B team. Uh, Jesus treated people like they mattered because they, they do. They did and, and they do. He came to die for the entire world. There isn't a person alive whom God doesn't love and whom Jesus didn't die for so they can live. So it's just amazing about our God, that about our God, that Jesus loves the world so much, that God loves the world so much. And out of that love, he's communicating with this Samaritan woman. In verse 10, he says, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you are speaking to, like you would ask me and I would give you living water. Now, this woman doesn't fully get what Jesus is saying here in this moment. So in verse 11, she says, but sir, like you don't have a rope or bucket. Um, this well's very deep. Like where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you uh, offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water, meaning the water from the well, will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And that sounded great to this woman who hated coming to the well in the middle of the day. 
She hated the judgment that she experienced throughout her community. And she's thinking like, I'll never have to come here again. So like, give me this stuff. So she says, please, sir, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. Now, Jesus was about to shine the light of his truth onto her life. And so he says, go get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus replied, like, you're right. You don't have a husband for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Now, in our day, uh, someone who's been married, divorced five times, that's kind of a big deal. But in, in Jesus' day, at this point, that was a major deal. I mean, that just was kind of unheard of. And Jesus goes straight to the issue in her life. He shines the light directly into her life. I mean, he doesn't beat around the bush. He looks directly into the, the shadows of her life and identifies an area that she needs to deal with in her relationship with God. And as she stood there squinting into the light of God's truth, I mean, she's, she's standing there squinting like, wow, that is really bright light. Like, I, I'm not so sure what to do with this. Like, how do I respond? So she made a quick decision on how to respond to this bright light and see if you can identify with what she does here in this moment. I think most of us can. Verse 19, she says, sir, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshiped? She deflected the issue. She covered the light. She shaded the light. She dimmed the light of, of Jesus from her eyes in that moment. And she thought, wow, like this light is so blinding. It's so uncomfortable. I've got to do something. And that's the reality of God's truth and God's light when it's shined into our lives. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's so bright that we're like, wow, like, I don't know if I can handle that. I, I, I can't really see really well. This is so blinding. And there are moments, the light of God's truth, it exposes the, the dark corners of our heart. It reveals things in us that we've got to look at, we've got to examine. And if we're honest, we would say, you know what? I'm not living the life that God wants me to live. If I really look at that, I'm not living a life that honors God, so it can be very uncomfortable when God shines his light into our lives. Now, if we allow our eyes to adjust, then we'll be honest about ourselves. We'll be honest about the, the ways that we have been living. If we let our eyes adjust to God's truth, we'll say, okay, I see now that there are some areas of my life that need to change, and I, I want to change those things. But if we don't, if we, if we cover that light, if we continually deflect that light and try to shade and dim the light of God's truth in our lives, we will step back into the darkness. We'll say, it's more comfortable back here. Like I could see back here. I kind of like the shadows. I can kind of see the light. I can kind of see the darkness. I like it here. I don't know if I want to be fully in the light of God's truth. So this woman... She decided in that moment she was going to step back into the shadows. She thought, you know, this light is so blinding. I need to do something in this moment. I can't see. So I know I'll change the conversation. 
Like I'll bring up a conversation that I know will, will make Jesus end our conversation. He'll turn the spotlight off of my life when I bring this subject up. So she reached for one of the hottest topics that she could find between the Samaritans and the Jews. And it, just think about this in a personal context. So try to find yourself in that. So maybe... Um, you can identify with a family gathering, maybe a Thanksgiving meal that you're there with your family, and you like go to this thing just dreading what your other family members are going to bring up. You know that subject that they bring up all the time that irritates the heck out of you? Like, so, uh, you know, have you found anybody to date yet? Are you still dating that loser? Or, hey, are you going to do anything with your life? Are you going to get a real job any day? Or... You know, I mean, that subject, it just puts you on the hot seat and you're just like, I just want this attention off of me. And so sometimes our, a good strategy to do, like if, if you haven't figured out this yet, um, use it this Thanksgiving. It'll be awesome. Um, change the subject. Like bring up another subject that'll make everybody angry. Okay, you know, like a political conversation or a religious conversation or something along those lines. It'll just get everybody angry. And then all of a sudden, guess what? Spotlight's not on you anymore. So that's what this woman does in this moment. She's like, okay, I got to find something that will get this spotlight off of me. So she changes the subject and Jesus allows her to do that and lets her her do that for a moment. Between verse 21 and verse 24, they have a very nice theological conversation. And Jesus is saying some profound things that she doesn't understand in that moment. And in verse 25, she thought, you know what? This needs to be over. Like that was way too personal, way too uncomfortable. I think I'll just end it politely and be on with my day. And so she says in verse 25, "I I know the Messiah is coming the one who is called Christ. And when he comes, like, he'll explain everything to us. It's kind of like saying, um, yeah, when he comes, he'll tell us who's right and who's wrong. Enjoy your water. Have a nice day. I can just imagine her in that moment kind of turning to walk away. Verse 26, Jesus decided to stop her in her tracks. And Jesus said, I'm the Messiah. I am the person you're waiting on. I'm the person that you've been waiting your whole life for. I am the one that brings the truth that can radically change your life. I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness anymore. Verse 28 says, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. So can you imagine in that moment her running back to town or you running you know, to Walmart here in our town and telling everybody, come see a man who's told me everything I ever did. Imagine if you were the village people. Imagine if you were part of the town and you're watching this woman come up and you know her and you know, like, she's the crazy woman. Here she comes again. And now she is telling us, like, you got to come see this guy. Now, I'm thinking we would be thinking, you don't have to be a prophet to know what you've done. Like, everybody knows what you've done. Like, your name's written all over the bathroom wall down at the local diner. Like everybody, I mean, all he did was he probably got your name from there. Like everybody knows what you've done. He hung out at the well a little bit and listen, he could tell the town gossip. He knows about you. But this woman was different. She was different in this moment. I mean, here she is unashamed. She's running to her community saying like, I don't care all that garbage that you know about me. I don't care about all that. You got to meet this guy. This guy's amazing. There's something different about this guy. So verse 30, 
It says the people came streaming from the village to see him. And then in verse 39, it says many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. Can you imagine? I mean, people who hate each other saying, would you please stay just a few more days? Please, we want to hear what you have to say. And so verse 40 continued. So Jesus stayed for two more days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. And they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you told us, but because we heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Now, let me get a little personal for just a moment. Is God shining the light of his truth onto any shadow areas in your life? Are you like the Samaritan woman saying, wow, that is so bright. It's so blinding. It's, it's uncomfortable. Maybe you've been trying to find fulfillment in a relationship that you know doesn't honor God. You know that relationship is not a relationship that you should be in. But maybe you keep looking to other relationships. Maybe like, you've been in multiple relationships just thinking that next relationship will fill me up. The next relationship will fill me up. Maybe you've been putting all your hopes in money. Like maybe you think like your security comes from, from what's in your bank account. And maybe this next deal is gonna be the deal that you think this is it. This just sets me up for the future. Then I can rest easy. And your trust is not in God. Your trust is more in wealth. Or maybe there's some secret sin that you keep turning to. Some sin that you think that's gonna give you what it never gives you. And yet, for some reason, you keep turning back to that. Or maybe if you're honest, you would say, you know what, I'm not living the life that God wants me to. I haven't been. I've just been on this path away from God. Maybe you feel like you've messed up way too much for God to forgive you. And you just, you just keep on walking back into the shadows instead of into the light of God's truth. Well, I think Jesus is shining the light of his truth onto all of our lives today. And I think he's saying some things like this. I'm the one you need. I'm the one that you've been waiting for all of your life. I'm the Messiah, the savior of the world. So don't turn to human relationships to find fulfillment. It won't work. You won't find them. Don't turn to money or success to identify yourself and make yourself feel secure. Turn to me. Don't turn to things that will bring you momentary pleasure or dull the pain of your life. Don't think that you're too far gone to be forgiven. I'm a God of second chances and third chances. I'm a God of grace. Come back, step in to the light of my truth. So this morning, if God is shining the light of his truth into an area of your life that you know has been a shadow area for you, you've got a decision to make. Will you Step into the light of God's truth? Or will you find another way to shade that light from your life? Will you find a way to dim that light? Will you find a way to change the conversation? Now, let me circle back into our story for just a moment. We left our disciples uh, in town getting lunch, and so they come back with their lunch And they see Jesus talking with this woman. It kind of blows their minds. Verse 27 uh, says, they were shocked to find Jesus talking to a woman. So here they are. They come back and they're like, Jesus, what are you doing? Like, if you knew who you were talking to, you wouldn't be talking to her. 
Like we saw her name all over the bathroom wall at the place we picked up lunch. This is probably the town prostitute. You don't need to be talking to her. If you realized who you were talking to, you probably would, would stop talking to her. They, they were amazed and their minds were blown and they have all these questions, but nobody's saying anything because you know he's the, the rabbi, he's the teacher. And so they offer him lunch and Jesus says in response, it's all right, guys, I'm, I'm full. What do you mean you're full? How can you be full? We just got lunch. We came back. Where did you get food? And Jesus says, I've had a type of spiritual food you don't know anything about yet. And then in verse 34, Jesus said, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. And I think Jesus put a huge exclamation point behind that. I think he said, guys, like, look around. Do you get what's happening here? Do you understand? If we would have gone the route that you wanted to around Samaria, we would have never met this woman. She would have never responded to the light that I shined into her life. And then she would have never in turn responded and shined that light into her community. A whole community would not know me if we would have followed your plan your path. Guys, open your eyes and look around. I think God's saying the same thing to all of us. I think God says to all of us on a regular basis, wake up and look around. There are so many people around us. There are people at work, people at school, people we shop with, maybe people you go to the gym with. There are people everywhere who desperately need to know about the love of Jesus. And I think God says, wake up, look around. There are people everywhere. I mean, you won't, bump, you won't be able to avoid bumping into a person throughout your day whom God doesn't love and who, doesn't, who God doesn't desperately want in a relationship with him. They're everywhere. So are you reaching out to the people around you? Are you sharing the light of Jesus with people that you work with, with people that you go to school with, with people maybe in your neighborhood? Or when God shines that light into your life, are you finding an excuse? Ah, somebody else will do that. That's somebody else's responsibility. Are you finding a way to dim the light? Are you finding a way to change the conversation? Now, this morning, we're going to end a little differently than uh, we normally end. We're going to have our worship team come out in just a moment, and they're going to lead us through a closing song called The Stand. And if God is shining a light into your life today, and it could be any number of things, but if God is shining a light into your life, I am going to, this morning, ask you to do something that's going to feel like the weirdest thing ever in church. I'm going to ask you, during this song, to stand. And let me just ease the tension you might feel in your own life right now. Um, you don't need to stand. Nobody needs to stand. I don't want anybody to stand if you don't feel like you need to or feel like you want to or feel like there's something that you need to communicate to God. But standing today just might help you take a step into the light of God's truth. Standing just might help you communicate to God. I, I know that area in my life. You've identified it this morning. Again, I see it. It's a shadow area. I've got to address it. So maybe standing will help you communicate to God. I get it. I see it. And I'm ready to do something about it. 
I'm ready to address this issue. Maybe you would say, like, like, God, your light is so bright. Sometimes it's so uncomfortable, like standing in front of other people at church. But today, I'm going to stand to communicate to you. I'm not going back in the shadows in this area. I'm not stepping back into the darkness. Today, I'm stepping into the light of your truth, taking one big step in that direction. Now, again, do you need to stand? I don't know. If no one stands, that's great. It'll just be me. Okay? I'll be down here in the front row standing during this song. And if you need to stand with somebody, come stand with me. But if you need to stand by yourself, great. If you don't need to stand, that's entirely up to you. But standing, again, just might help you take one huge step into the light of God's truth like this woman at the well that Jesus met when she ran back to her community and said, you got to meet this man. There's something about Jesus that radically changed my life. So today, standing just might help you walk out of here a little different than when you walked in. So let's pray together. God, I thank you for the light of your truth that you shine on all of our lives. Lord, every day you're shining that light. And every day we have this battle. Am I going to choose to stand into the light of your truth or am I going to step back into the darkness? And Lord, sometimes we fool ourselves thinking we can successfully manage that tension by living in the shadows. But God, you don't want any of us living in the shadows. And so you shine that light of truth onto our lives and you say, I want you to allow your eyes to adjust. So Lord, maybe this morning there are some people who need to stand because there's some things they need to stop doing. Maybe a relationship they need to get out of. Maybe a secret sin that nobody knows about and they need to end it. Maybe there's an addiction in their life that they just know like this is not good. Or maybe there's something that our world would say is okay, but this person says, you know what, this thing for me is not good and I need to address it. For others of us, maybe there's something we need to start doing. Maybe we need to start speaking more positively at home. Maybe we need to invest more in, in that right relationship that we're in. Maybe we need to go home and apologize to someone for something we said. Maybe we need to pick up our Bible and commit to read it this week or commit to come back to church next week and just continue to discover what it means to stand in the light of your truth. Maybe there's people here today who would say, you know, I I found that I don't care as much about people around me as Jesus does. Maybe there's people at work that I just don't really want to do anything with them. I don't want to interact with them. We just kind of avoid each other. But maybe our heart needs to break for people around us the way your heart breaks for all of us. So Lord, I pray that today, Lord, in this, this song, that you would give us the courage to stand. Whoever needs to stand for whatever issue they need to stand, Lord, today we communicate to you that there's a shadow area in our life that we need to address. And we're going to stand in the light of your truth. We're not going to run back in the shadows. So give us the courage, I pray.
to stand boldly before you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. My name is Chris Seppi, and I've got just a couple of announcements, uh, some important ones to highlight for you uh, before we leave today. So if you can look on your seats, there's several pieces of paper. I'm going to go through them, but for now, just go ahead and grab your announcement sheet. Uh, First of all, if you're new here, uh, welcome to Epic. Hope you enjoyed the service. Uh, We're glad that you're here. I invite you to stop on by our Connection Center on the way out. It's located in the back corner over there. We'd just like to meet you personally and answer any questions that you may have for us. Well, we've been talking for a couple weeks about Night of Worship, and it's finally here upon us. Um, That is when several of our local churches are getting together. Their uh, worship team members are going to be getting together and uh, just kind of meeting at PC3 tonight at 6 p.m., and they're going to rock the house tonight. You're talking about five churches. You're talking about Community Baptist. I'm sorry. You're talking about uh, Coastal Family, Epic, Life Coast, PC3, and Parkview. They're all going to be getting together, and it's just a huge band on stage. Uh, Child care will be provided for sixth grade and below. So if you're looking for a great time tonight, that's the place to be. It's really, really going to be fun. So I'm wearing my shirt today for 3G Sunday, and if you can go ahead and grab your little piece of paper with the orange highlighting on, that's what I'm going to talk about next. 3G Sunday is an event that we're going to be getting together as a church. We're going to be meeting one morning, but we're not going to do a regular service. Instead, we're going to go out in the community, and we're going to do a series of serving opportunities that we're going to get involved in. So I'm going to highlight just a couple of those for you. First of all, we need a lot of people to paint. We've got a lot of painting to do. We've got some buildings out uh, that surround Frida Zamba Pool right behind the building over here. We've got three houses in Benel that we're going to go ahead and paint, uh, including we're also going to do two classrooms right here at Buddy Taylor. Now, a lot of these serving opportunities, as you see, have requirements for grades and ages. Uh, if you've got a, somebody who's in first grade or, or higher and you want to serve and you don't know where, I ask you to think about the Windsor Assisted Living Facility. If you've never been to one of these places, uh, some of them don't get a lot of visitors. And if you can see the look on their faces when one of our children go there, either talk with them or sing for them or play a game with them, it's absolutely moving. So just think about that one. Uh, I think that the kids get just as much out of it as the adults do. So that's one of them to think about. We've also got a new project this year at the Family Life Center. Now, the Family Life Center is a, um, it's a shelter for victims of domestic violence and abuse. So we're looking to put on a little fall festival for the women and children there. So that should be fun also. Uh, we've got several opportunities to do different types of cleanups, uh, landscaping, working at the food pantry, and many, many more. So this week, visit our website, theepicchurch.com. Get a look and a feel for all the different projects and find out if you're feeling led to serve. Go ahead and pick out a project and get signed up for that. Also, that morning, we are going to have childcare here at, uh, at the school for birth through kindergarten. Uh, and I need you to sign up if you're going to have a child here because we want to have enough volunteers prepared to uh, watch over the kids while we're out there serving the community. So make sure you go online and take care of that. Now, switching gears over to community groups, uh, Tech Team's going to go ahead and bring up a video, and then we're going to go ahead and talk about that a little bit more. So Tech Team, go ahead and watch this video for me. My name is George Tramontano. Some of you know me as Gio, and this is my community group story. Well, I joined a community group because I wanted to explore my faith further, and I was interested to know what Epic's heart was in terms of what God wants from us. What I've enjoyed most about my group has been the fellowship, um, the fact that um, We've been able to connect so well, and um, we hold each other up in times of sadness, and we rejoice in each other's successes. We're constantly praying for each other, and it's just a wonderful experience to have good Christian friends that you know you can count on. My life's changed as a result of being in the group in many ways. Um, I'd have to say one of the biggest ones has been 
just learning to see people in a different light, um, in hearing uh, other people's stories, you realize how you're almost, you, there's so much in common, you have so much in common. And um, it's allowed me to become more empathetic as a person and also to realize that just as Jesus said, our relationships with each other and with our Heavenly Father are the most important thing. My group means everything to me. They're my family and uh, I feel like they're, you know, because they're going to be my eternal family, um, I'm, I'm so happy to know every one of them. How I've grown in my relationship with God as a result of small groups has been that I have learned, I've learned so much about my personal relationship with God. Um, before attending Epic and before becoming involved in small groups, I didn't realize that I could have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And now that I do, um, it's been amazing. Um, I've learned how to study the Bible. I've learned how to interact with others in a Christian manner. And uh, it's changed my heart to want to serve and it's just been amazing. Alrighty, I'm going to be on this side now. Address everybody. I didn't want you guys to feel bad like I forgot about you, so I'll come over here for now. So that's our community groups. Go ahead and grab your other sheet of paper. It says community groups. got a little blue highlighting on it. That's what I'm going to talk about next. So if you've been through our starting point, then the next step in your journey here is to get involved in one of the community groups. And the way to join the community group is to come to our five-week group experience and join either a woman's, a men's, or a couple's group. So what'll happen is you'll get together for five weeks and at the end of the five weeks, based on those who are in attendance, you'll form your new group. So next week, October the 5th, over at PC3, Palm Coast Community Church, that's at the corner of Pine Lakes Parkway and Palm Coast Parkway, we're gonna kick off our five-week experience. Now at four o'clock, the women's and the couples will meet, separate areas, but at four o'clock, that's the groups that will meet there and childcare will be provided for sixth grade and below uh, in order to help you out with that. And then at seven o'clock, our men's groups will go ahead and meet with no childcare. So four o'clock, women's and couples, childcare provided. Seven o'clock, men's group, no childcare provided. So in order, and, and, and if you wanna get signed up for that, uh, back at the table over here after service, Tim Jones is gonna be over there. Uh, get signed up with him. We wanna be prepared for about how many people are showing up. If you don't wanna talk to Tim Jones after service, then just go online and sign up. But either way, get signed up for it. Lastly, I just want to thank so many of you that call Epic home and you give back to Epic to see lives change in our community and, and beyond our community. And if you want to continue partnering with us through giving or you've made a decision recently that you want to partner with us through giving, there's two ways you can do that. At the end of the seating sections, we've got some tables laying out with some boxes. Those are our giving boxes. You can utilize those. Or if you want to visit our website, I'll say it again, it's theepicchurch.com. There's a little giving tab. You can click on that and you can donate electronically. Well, I just want to thank everyone for being here. Hope you have a blessed Sunday. Say somebody, uh, hi to somebody on the way out. Take care, everyone.